Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method, and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships, and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Okay, I know you've heard of hot girl summer. I want to help you do something even better. I want you to have a securely attached summer. And that is why for only the month of June, I'm offering a discount for joining the program. And we know no matter how much we work on our our hair, our bodies, whatever, all the external stuff, going to the gym, etc. None of that compares to actually doing the internal work and finally taking the steps to move towards that securely attached version of you. So if you've been on the fence, maybe you've been listening to the podcast for a while, and you just haven't made the leap, I want to invite you to apply now to the Empowered, Secure, and Loved Relationship Coaching Program. It is incredible, the transformations that are happening consistently inside the program. I know that you're deserving of getting off the dating roller coaster and really stepping into that next level version of you where you effortlessly attract that relationship that you desire and you become the securely attached version of yourself who has all of the tools that she needs to attract and maintain a healthy relationship. So let's have securely attached summer. And through the month of June, you can use the code secure summer 10 to join the program at a discounted rate. So the spots are limited. And this code is going away at the end of June. So make sure you go apply now. And you can let the team know you have the code secure summer 10 and you'll get 10% off the program. I cannot wait for you to take this step for yourself. You are deserving of doing the work and what a great time to do it as we're going into summer. You deserve to fully enjoy the summer and be at that next level version of you. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a very special guest with us today, Dr. Shagoon. Welcome. Glad to have you. Thank you. It's so amazing to be here and kind of surreal. I just feel like a year ago I was listening to your podcast and (laughs) just amazed at how far you've come and here we are today. I love that. I love that so much. So This is a special episode because Dr. Shagun is actually part of the ESL program. She is our coach. Obviously, I'm coaching and then she's also coaching. So this is kind of a first intro to the audience of who you are and what what kind of coaching you do. So anyways, I'm so excited to have you. And I am going to do a little intro just so the audience knows a bit about you. (laughs) 
First off, you should know, I met Dr. Shagoon at Pacific University, where we both did our doctorates in clinical psychology. So she's also a clinical psychologist, and she is also trained in health psychology and, of course, of course, attachment theory. And also, she works as a behavioral health provider, as a clinical psychologist. Um, Yeah, and... Just some fun things. She loves hiking, being outdoors, backpacking, planning social events for her friends, collecting rare house plants, <laughs> playing board games, quoting The Office too much, interior design, and crafting. And I'm going to add a little bit. So the way that I met Shagoon is that I was a year ahead of her at Pacific University. And I was telling our team yesterday, it's kind of funny you always have those younger classmen who you're like, okay, they're kind of cool. Even though they're a year or two behind me, I think I'd like to get to know them. And she was always one of those people for me. Um, And then, yeah, we just connected recently and she saw I'd launched the podcast and she's also passionate about attachment theory. So she reached out and then here we are. That's pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting. Thank you for that intro. <laughs> of course, I know. I know. I love the house plants. I used to collect house plants, but now I have changed it to only cactus. Ah, they're easier. <laughs> they are easier. They need less work and attention, and they're more yes. self sufficient. Exactly. I travel too much, <laughs> so all my plants die. So we just got to stick to the the cacti. Um, Mm -hmm. but anyways, I'm so, so glad to have you. And one of the things I love is that you also are so passionate about attachment theory and it always amazes me how not all clinical psychologists are familiar with attachment theory and not all of Mm -hmm. them are trained in it. And you and I know that it's just incredibly powerful, um, particularly to use as a framework with clients when working on relationships. So first question for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> how did you come across attachment theory? How did you first learn about it? Yeah. So as you're aware, you know, studying in the field of psychology for, I did it for undergrad as well. So it's like 13 years worth yes. of studying. And you learn about attachment theory with Mary Ainsworth and John Bowlby and how infants, you know, develop this attachment theory to their primary caregiver. But never in those 13 years did I hear about attachment theory as adult relationships. And um, how I got to it, I was in therapy, in my own therapy during residency. And my therapist, he was wonderful, Dr. Bowman, he told me about this thing called the dance of intimacy. And that describes the avoidant an anxious relationship. And it was shocking. I was like, wow, that's exactly all of my relationships. Like, how did you know that? <laughs> so I go home and I'm online reading about the dance of intimacy. And then I stumble on attachment theory. And I'm like, well, I know what attachment theory is. And now it's kind of playing into, oh, that lasts through your life. Um, and then I got to Amir Levine's book, Attached, which was mm. jaw-dropping because it was word for word some of the things I've experienced in my relationship. So, yeah, it took a long time to get to 
attachment theory and adult relationships. Um, mm-hmm. And you think, yeah, being a psychologist, we would have learned about that way earlier. <laughs> yeah, no, it's such a good point. I remember in Psych 101 learning about John Bowlby and Mary Ainsworth. And then I think in graduate school at Pacific, there was couples interventions that I learned about where we, you know, mm-hmm. we talk about emotionally focused therapy mm-hmm. and yet it still wasn't really attachment theory. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this acknowledgement that you, you and I both had to kind of seek it out ourselves. And I myself as well really started to learn about it in my own personal therapy mm-hmm. and also read the book attached by Amir Levine. And that's, that's a really wonderful book. Absolutely. Yes. However, (laughs) I'm going to throw a however in there. The way that I differ from Amir Levine is that I believe that people can really change their attachment style and they really can move towards secure attachment. Whereas, Mm -hmm. you know, in the book, it's more of, okay, this is your attachment style and you're stuck with it. And because (laughs) you have this attachment style, you should only date these kinds of people. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I experienced that book. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you and I are living examples of changed attachment theory, all the clients that you've successfully worked with. You know, it's, it's true that we absolutely can change how we interact in our relationships. Yeah. Speaking of, (laughs) (laughs) I would love to hear from you, whatever you feel comfortable sharing just about your own journey in relationship and healing your own Mm -hmm. attachment style. I know that's a very broad question, but whatever you feel like would be helpful to the audience and whatever you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah. I, it's a vulnerable question, but that's what we're here for, right? Let's get vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. <we are. laughs> I guess, you know, in order to really talk about that, um, and I won't go into so much detail, but to give some context, you know, my culture plays a big role in this. And yeah. I grew up most of my life in Boulder, Colorado, which is beautiful, um, mostly white, you know, middle class, high class. And I was one of like two brown kids in my school. Um, which didn't bother me. I didn't realize there was a difference. Um, people were really loving and accepting there. But what was hard was, you know, outside of my home, I was living this really white community that really valued independence and doing what you loved and figuring out who you were. But inside my home, you know, both my parents immigrated from India, which is, as you can imagine, so scary to do, you know, leaving everyone that you know, the culture that you know, and moving halfway around the world. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, really did their best to try and instill values in me to have a life where I was successful. And I took the opportunities that maybe weren't available to them growing up. So there was this constant conflict of, okay, I want to be this independent, who am I? follow my heart person. But then on the flip side, you know, Indian culture is all about the family unit and the village, right? You do everything that's in the best interest of what's best for everyone. So it's very cultivistic. Mm -hmm. There's this constant battle of, okay, do I do what makes my parents happy and my aunties and uncles, or do I do what makes me happy? And then there's this constant kind of battle. 
ultimately, you know, I'm so thankful I followed that individual path of, you know, really finding what I was meant to do, which was this work right now of really helping people. Um, Asian culture, you know, it's a common experience that we are given this value of the most important thing in life is success, right? Mm. Not love, not joy, not these other things that'll come later, but first and foremost, success. And so, you know, your worth was directly tied to what you could achieve, right? So, Mm. and to mix into all of this, I did have some early childhood trauma and that's something I didn't ever talk about until I was almost done graduating college. So there's some shame there on top of this pressure to be worthy enough. And, Mm. you know, in the eyes of, you know, at least a lot of our you know, when I say my, my elders, I mean, like my parents, my aunties, my uncles, all the, you know, people in the community to be worthy. You got to be a medical doctor. You got to be a lawyer. You got to be an engineer, right? You have to do one of these high achieving things because they want success for you. So of my girlfriends, my new girlfriends that I was growing up around, I felt like I was kind of the outsider because I wasn't the good Indian girl. I was playing sports. I signed up for art classes behind my parents' back because they wouldn't let me take art classes. Mm. I um, dyed my hair crazy colors and painted my nails crazy colors. And and worst of all, I was studying psychology, which was not a field that was even recognized when I was starting college. So there was this always kind of battle of I wasn't good enough. But in order to really follow what felt true to me, I had to fight that fight. So long story short, um, there is this constant kind of like, you're not worthy enough. And I kept in close touch with some of my Indian girlfriends. And we talk about this theme of that never being fixed or like healed. And so even, you know, we're successful, we're, you know, engineers, we're doctors, medical doctors. and we all share this idea of, you know, even when we literally save lives, we're asked by our elders, why don't you have a boyfriend yet? And then when we get a boyfriend, it's, well, why aren't you married yet? And then when you don't have, when you're married, it's, well, why don't you have kids yet? And it's always this, you're never going to reach that bar of being good enough. And again, I know it's coming from this place of wanting the best for us, mm-hmm. and it still really hurts. So. All of that is the context. (laughs) I really appreciate you sharing this. And I think it's so relatable and there will be a lot of listeners who really resonate with what you've shared. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for leaving space for me to talk about that. Um, So, you know, fast forward in most areas of my life, I felt so secure. I loved my friend group. I loved the work I was doing. I was always working multiple jobs, you know, just killing it in life. And there was one place I always felt I struggled and I lost my sense of security. And that was my relationships. And I, you know, because of that, I loved being single because I felt like I wasn't on this roller coaster of emotions, but then I'd end up in this unintentional relationship, either because I was in school with a guy or working with a guy, or they just, you know, were friends. And, you know, it wasn't like, oh, this person might be a good fit for me. It was just, there was a spark and then it turned into a roller coaster ride. (laughs) So, 
you know, there was this, this pattern of always feeling like I wasn't good enough in these relationships because, you know, it was that dance of intimacy. We both started really enjoying each other's company and then the avoidant person would back away. The anxious person would move towards and say, oh, how can I make this person more engaged? And then the avoidant backs away further. And then you start to feel defeated and you're like, okay, fine, I'm done. But then the avoidant comes back and that whole dance starts over again. And so it was this constant repetitive pattern. And mm-hmm. I know you talk a lot about, um, what's it called? Repetition. repetition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know exactly where I'm going. Yeah, repetition compulsion. Yeah. I want to pause just for a second because I think what you've shared so far is so relatable. Mm-hmm. So many women can relate to this idea of, wow, I can really push myself in my career. I can feel really good there. I can feel successful. That part I can control. My friendships are great. My family, I you know, care about them, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing of not intentionally entering relationships, but just finding yourself in situationships or things that just happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that feeling of, oh gosh, this is the roller coaster. It doesn't, how do I get off it as soon as possible? Or does it crash and burn? And then Mm -hmm. back to square one of, okay, let me just put my energy into my career and my friends. (laughs) So it's that exhausting, right? And I I can so relate. And I, that definitely sounds like my past dating life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that it is relatable. And in my group of friends, I felt like I was alone in that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just to hear that so many people share this experience and just, if you don't know anyone personally, that's sharing that with you doesn't mean that you're not alone in this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So repetition compulsion the idea is you know we repeat what we don't and for me I had not repaired that sense of being worthy enough for love being worthy enough for acceptance and you repeat the same thing again and again and again hoping for a different outcome which is also the definition for insanity yeah (laughs) Exactly. And it is insane making, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually I just felt, you know, after years of dating and being so successful in all places in my life, I was like, what is going on? Why is this happening? And I used to just point the finger at the guys and be like, he's a commitment phobe. He's a jerk. He doesn't know how to communicate. And maybe some of those things might have been partially true, but I started to say, wait a minute, I'm the common denominator here. (laughs) So it made me really start to ask myself, how am I choosing to get on this roller coaster, right? I'm playing a role in the chaos in my life in some regards. So I had to kind of figure out what's going on. So I went to therapy and it was you know, that's when I learned about the dance of intimacy and got to um, attachment theory and really did a lot of the awareness building of, you know, what we think of as protest behaviors and needing that attention and falling back into those old childhood wounds of, Mm -hmm. I just need to feel good enough. And maybe if I 
you know, just showed how great of a girlfriend I was, or if I just, you know, move my schedule around to fit this person's needs, I'll be good enough and they'll love me. And it never worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it was because, yeah. you know, the people I was choosing were also not ready and capable of fully giving themselves in a relationship either. This is so powerful. A few pieces that you said, number one, the ownership piece of just acknowledging, okay, I am the common denominator Mm -hmm. because just like you and just like many women I talk to, I know myself, I I would say the same thing. Oh, I'm just these guys and these, you know, this is what the dating pool is like, blame, blame them. Mm-hmm. Um, but that ownership piece of what am I doing to step on this roller coaster? How, how am I contributing? Um, and then, yeah, this whole, this whole thing about realizing the people that we choose to date and the, the intentionality around when I don't feel worthy of love, I'm going to pick people who are emotionally unavailable and who cannot mm-hmm. give me love. So being so intentional about who am I choosing to invest my energy into that, that's such a light bulb moment for sure. Yeah. And I love that the light bulb idea, right? It's like learning about attachment theory. It's like the light bulb turns on in a corner of your mind that you didn't even know was there. Yeah. And the light is on and it's a freaking mess. But at least the light's on and you can start clearing up, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really powerful is when we have that framework and just like we do in the program, teaching people to use that framework to understand their dating lives. When we start to see the why behind Mm -hmm. what we do, that is really helpful in changing it and letting go of those behaviors. because. The why brings the clarity, gives you that empowerment, and then you can let it go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that reminds me, I was reading Viktor Frankl's A Man's Search for Meaning. Oh, good. And he talks about that idea of, you know, when we can figure out the why, Mm -hmm. why we are doing what we're doing or why we are still here, we will figure out the how inevitably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's I really love powerful. That. That's that's my favorite book of all time, just so the audience knows too. <laughs> Man, yeah. search for meaning. It's so powerful. Um, okay. So I so appreciate you sharing that. <laughs> and I know you've done so much work. And just like me, probably you feel like you spend a lot more time being in a securely attached place. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know there's still moments, there's days where those old ways of being come up, but you're mm-hmm. spending more time. So can you tell us like, what is the difference energy wise, emotion wise? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dating life? So I think the biggest thing is really it's self-compassion and self-love, right? So mm-hmm. I got to a place in therapy where I finally said, I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired in my relationships Mm. and I'm so done Mm -hmm. leaving space in my life for people who weren't able to meet my needs I started to care about what I felt what I needed 
And I was listening to that more. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there's this process called reparenting and therapy that you really go back to those old childhood wounds, feeling not good enough and really pouring love into those wounds and saying, I see you. I love you. I'm always going to be here for you. And that's when things, I felt like a pivotal moment. Like at the time I was dating this guy and he was, he wasn't a jerk. He was actually really sweet and kind. And I met his family and, you know, it was, we were living in Hawaii. So it's not like we were meeting each other for like serious reasons, but they happened to be there. And he just didn't know after six months of dating, if he could be in a committed relationship with me. And so when I asked him and I was curious about that and I said, okay, like, you know, what does a relationship mean to you? And it was, I don't know. Okay. Well, how long do you think you need to like, think about this? He's like, I don't know, like maybe like a year. I was like, you need a year and six months to figure out if you want me to be your girlfriend. Wow. And I was done. I was like, yeah, I can't do this. And that was the first time in my life. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, bye. I was the first time in my life I broke up with someone and it was Mm. probably one of the scariest things I've done because it went against my entire attachment system. Mm-hmm. but it also was the most empowering thing I've ever done. And it was a huge growth step for me. So yeah. after that ended, I really took a lot of time to heal and do some therapy and really keep feeding that self-love because it was starving for years. And when I felt ready, I felt like, okay, I can go into dating so much easier because having that self-compassion is like it's like having a compass that works and you can navigate yeah having a compass that works yeah that's same when you know about attachment theory right you can yeah you can feel guided and you Uh feel supported and you have that firm base Yeah. yeah so having that compass going into dating was so much more intentional than before and it was so Mm -hmm. clear to me this person's great I'm not sure if it's working out but I'll keep kind of exploring it this person clearly isn't able to listen to me or like have basic respect and ultimately you know it led me to now being in a relationship with a man who's incredibly loving respectful kind Mm -hmm. patient secure I mean I don't think I would have been attracted to a secure man if I hadn't really gone to the place of loving myself fully. There's so much there in what you said. And I, (laughs) I always will tell people, you know, wow, when you really do that internal work and you become securely attached, it's not like all of the secure men fall from the sky. Like they have (laughs) been there. You just Mm -hmm. were not attracted to them before. But yeah. then <laughs> when you start to realize that these people are here, these relationships exist, uh, it's pretty eye-opening to think this has been here the whole time. <laughs> I was simply not attracted to it, not engaging yeah. with it. Um, yeah. Do you feel, because I want to talk about a little bit, just the difference in your state of being, your emotional self, when you're in a securely attached relationship versus mm-hmm the anxious avoidant relationship. How, how, how is it different? So imagine being on a really scary roller coaster where sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's terrifying versus being on like a consistent, 
stable merry-go-round where you can enjoy your life. Yeah. And it feels like that where you're like the ups and downs are crazy, sometimes crazy good, sometimes crazy bad. And you're constantly Mm -hmm. in this state of anxiety because you're like, Mm -hmm. when is this going to, when is the shoe going to drop? Right. Mm -hmm. And then shifting from that kind of a relationship into a secure relationship was not to say I don't have my moments of insecurity still or anxiety, mm-hmm. but to feel like this place of groundedness where I'm not on that roller coaster. I have choice. I, no matter what happens with this relationship, I still love myself. So it's less scary. I love that so much. I've been working on my metaphors and, you know, I always talk about the roller coaster too. So mm-hmm. that that's one of my favorite ones. One of the ones I've thought of recently is like, um, comparing the anxious avoidant dynamic to whitewater rafting, like on a river mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. unpredictable. The boat could flip at any time. <laughs> you might go over a waterfall. Who knows? It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Verse the securely attached relationship is peaceful and you're like diving in the ocean together, like maybe yeah. snorkeling, diving freaks me out a little bit, but <laughs> you're, you're enjoying the ocean. And I like that metaphor too, because with the secure attachment, you mm-hmm. are uh, allowed to have that depth of really yes. truly knowing each other mm-hmm. and your authentic selves. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a completely different type of relationship. Yeah, I love that idea of depth because it's so true that in those more shallow relationships, I felt so scared to really be who I was because I was going to be told I was needy, I was too much. Any of those messages, I didn't want to hear. So I just played, I'm the cool girl. I don't have feelings. This is fine. Versus now being with this individual who is so securely attached and he allows me to have space to really share my moments of insecurity and dives into that with me as a partner, rather than feeling like, you know, going from anxious to secure. I went into dating being like, okay, I got to fake it till I make it. I got to be secure all the time. (laughs) And that's just not reasonable. Right. And so it's having a partner in which you don't, you're not always your best self and you can still feel that security. Yes. In the program, you know, one of the things we talk about is co-creating secure attachment. So that partner that wants to co-create that secure Mm -hmm. attachment with you and you simultaneously are working on moving yourself towards secure attachment. Um, I so appreciate you sharing. And I think your journey, my journey, the women who go through the program, there's so many amazing examples of completely mm-hmm. changing your relationship life mm-hmm. and getting to a place where you can really enjoy relationships, relax in love mm-hmm. and have that part of your life no longer feel like it's a roller coaster. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Let's get on the merry-go-round. Let's go diving <laughs> yeah. in the ocean. Yeah, let's, let's get, get the off ocean. the roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I want to shift a little bit and just ask you about uh, being a coach in the ESL program. 
Mm-hmm. So Dr. Shagun is the first coach that I brought in and it was this wonderful problem to have where we had so many women and I really needed support in providing them the best experience possible. So you've come in and you're coaching women. Um, I'm curious, what has been your favorite part of the ESL program or what are parts of the program that you just really align with and enjoy? Mm-hmm. I would love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a few, but if I had to pick, you know, as I was looking through your modules and reviewing it as if I was a client, you know, just seeing what everyone's gone through. The first thing that really stood out to me was you asked this question, you ask, how are your beliefs costing you? Mm -hmm. Right. How are these beliefs about yourself that you've learned through your life that you're not good enough, that love isn't available to you, whatever those might be? How how is that costing you? What is that taken from your life? And I think that is such an important question to ask because it's motivating, right? It it really allows you to sit with the pain of the Mm -hmm. things you've gone through in life to say, I don't want to do this anymore. I do not want to think like this anymore because it is costing me too much. So I loved that question that you help women really, you know, go through and tease out their beliefs. And I love that that you said that because that, so you're, so she's referring to a module in the online course that is called, is this serving you? And this is one where women will tell me, whoa, that was powerful. And it's, it's a lot of emotional labor and it's really, really good at getting you to change your belief system. Because Mm -hmm. when we look at, oh, how is this hurting me? What, what has this cost me in the past? What will it cost me in the future? And you identify the pain. Pain is one of the best human motivators. So that it is really designed to have you make that powerful shift quickly. Mm -hmm. That's part of coaching, um, you know, coaching versus therapy when we're able to really do transformation quickly in those kinds of exercises. Um, So yeah, that's, that's one that women will say, wow, I cried Mm -hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. but no really really powerful part of the program mm-hmm. and then the second one I'll mention that I really love is the mindfulness-based self-compassion and I know yeah. you have episode 12 on this I yes. tell a lot of my patients to go look at this stuff and so what I really love about mindfulness-based self-compassion is that yes. it has a few components so number one it makes you really start to manage your thinking which is a hard enough skill as it is Mm-hmm. but you have to pay attention to what are you thinking? What is your brain doing? And then there is this component of compassion, right? We understand where this is coming from. So mm-hmm. we could say, okay, brain, I see that you're going down this anxiety loop. I see that you're trying to protect me. And you can thank your brain and say, I know this worked for us in the past. But right now you are overprotecting me, you're overshooting the mark and you're actually hurting me. So it's like, I see you, thank you. And I'm going to take a different route. And so it gives you choice rather than just reacting, keeping you in the same patterns again and again and again. 
And again, it comes down to how do we change, right? How do we Mm. shift that rewiring? And the mindfulness-based self-compassion has all my favorite components of working with clients and patients of self-awareness, compassion, and change. Beautiful. Love that so much. Um, You just gave me an idea for another podcast episode. So I wrote that down. Um, But yeah, one of the things, one of the things with the mindful self-compassion in the program, which I love, because I don't know that this has been done anywhere else, but combining attachment theory with mindfulness self-compassion Mm-hmm. And really using mindfulness self-compassion as a tool for realignment. So instead of reaction, yeah. instead of being self-critical, compassion, and then realigning with that securely attached version of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which, absolutely. That's how I moved towards secure attachment. So I knew that that was a framework that would work for people. And it mm-hmm. sounds like that's something you've really applied in your life too. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Because it's hard when our brain just is on its natural, you know, firing, we don't see it. Yes. That when we don't have awareness, and we're just on autopilot, we are in that reactive state, fight Mm -hmm. or flight mode, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to our reptilian brain. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we are, we are reacting, instead of choosing who we are, Mm -hmm. we're just constantly in that reacting mode. So very powerful. I love both of those elements that you talked about. I agree are very powerful in the program. Mm -hmm. And so many of the women I've spoken with who have worked with Dr. Shagoon absolutely love her. So (laughs) she is doing amazing work with the clients in the program. And we're we're so lucky to have you and so, so grateful that you're working with us. It's been such an opportunity that I am loving to thank you. And I love these clients. They're so amazing and so ready for that change. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know we can talk forever. There's so (laughs) much. Um, Is there anything that we haven't gotten to Mm -hmm. that that you wanted to share? Yeah, you know, I'll say... One piece, you know, as I was getting into coaching, I was talking to you a lot about well, what's the difference between mm-hmm. therapy and coaching. And yep. you know, it does boil down to a therapist, you know, a good therapist isn't going to tell you what to do, right? They help right. you develop self-awareness and insight. And a coach has that more directed stance. And I remember when I was in therapy, concluding my work, and I told my therapist, I said to him, I feel like I'm about to go to war, which was the dating world. And I had this brand new shiny sword, which is my awareness. And I had this shield, which was, you know, boundary setting and assertive community. I had all these skills, Ooh, I right? I like the metaphor. This is good. Yeah. <laughs> I love metaphors too. So good. I told him, I was like, I feel like I'm going to war with this like sword and shield and armor, but I don't trust that I can actually use these things. And so, you know, of course, he was very helpful and said to trust my intuition. But at the time, I needed more direction. And that's where coaching, I think, could say, this is how you swing your sword. This is when you put your shield up. Yeah. And yes, I think it's been so exciting to get to do this process as a therapist and as a coach, you know, having that differentiation um, is really cool. 
I love that metaphor. That's a great way of explaining yeah. it. And, you know, really this program came about because working as a psychologist and seeing so many women get to the place where they have the awareness, they've done mm-hmm. the work, they know what their attachment style is, and yet they're not quite sure what to do then or how to apply it or how to show up in the dating world and what that actually looks like. Um, and coaching is just that beautiful tool to, to give them the how to, what to do with the awareness. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that there's something really great about the coaching relationship. It's a little bit more, um, how do I say this? Boundary is not less boundary is not the right way to say it, but you're, you're vulnerable. It's a little bit more vulnerable. You're showing up as yourself a bit more because you're more directive. You're able to share more about you. Anyways, it is a totally different kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And you and I know therapy is amazing. We are mm-hmm. not here saying that therapy is wow. bad. Therapy is amazing. It's Great beautiful. for getting awareness. Yeah. Right. And then coaching is a great supplement mm-hmm. as well. And, yeah. and I think particularly for people who really want results quickly and they just, they want mm-hmm. to know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. some people already have that awareness and, yeah. you know, it's the coaching piece is definitely more action oriented. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I so appreciate you being on the podcast and it's great to introduce you to the audience. And I know all the women in the program really appreciate you. Um, little side note for the month of June, this is the last month you can get 10% off of the program. And we're also doing 2% of the profits to the Trevor project, which I'm so excited about. They're an organization helping LGBTQ youth. So anyways, June is a great time to join. So make sure you apply ASAP. Um, Shagun, before we go, couple things. How can people, if they wanted to say, thanks for that episode, it was awesome. Or they want to hear about the program. How can they contact you? Yeah. So I just created a new coaching Instagram page. So it's still bare, but you can message okay. me there. <laughs> um, more to come on there, but it is at doctor. So dr underscore shagoon, S-H-A-G-U-N underscore. Yes. And we'll put that in the show notes. So feel free to send her a thank you for this episode or reach out to her. Um, and the other thing before I let you go, I always ask every guest this. So if you were walking down the street, somebody random, and they're asking you for your best life advice at the moment, not of all time, but your best life advice currently, what would you say? It's got to come back to self-worth. So I would say to really pay attention to how you talk to yourself in your head, how you talk to yourself out loud, and to give yourself the same love that you give everyone else. So as a general rule, if you wouldn't say it to someone you love, if you wouldn't say it to your sister, your daughter, your friends, your parents, do not say it to yourself and really work on that relationship with you. 
That's really powerful at the core of it all. Right. (laughs) It really comes down to that. Yeah. And if you, there's a quick short poem I'd love to share. Please. Okay. So feeds into self-worth it's by Billy Mm. Chapata. So he says, tell those parts that they couldn't love that you love them. Ask those parts that they couldn't love for forgiveness. Forgiveness for placing your worth in the hands of people who never have the right to dictate your worth in the first place. Reclaim your power. Reclaim yourself. That's beautiful. Yeah, that one always gives me goosebumps. And I just, yeah, we got to love ourselves. (laughs) That's very powerful. I think everybody listening needs to hear that we all need to hear that so I love that thank you for sharing that and once again thank you for your time on the show it's been a pleasure sure we'll have you back in the future um and I know the audience is really going to benefit from hearing your story so thank you again for sharing yeah thank you so so much for having me it's been so nice getting to talk to you yeah all right everyone You know, as always, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram Facebook and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. So until next time, I'm wishing you high self worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community.